Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy, co-founder of KidsViews.com. I'm here in the studio today with... Andrea Smith, technology guru. I did Andrea first today because wow. she's right in front of me. totally threw me. <laughs> I know. You're not even wearing purple. You totally threw me. <laughs> she has a purple pen. And, and Amy Oztan, SelfishMom.com. Hello. Uh, we have a really great show today. We are going to jump into two topics. First, we have a special guest in the studio today, Nancy Jo Sales, journalist, author, um, who I will tell you I've followed for many, many years. I love all your writing of Vanity Fair over the years. It's been great. We are going to talk about her new book, American Girls, Social Media, and the Secret Lives of Teenagers, which is right up the alley. What we talk about every week and also what our listeners ask us about every week. It's never ending. And then our second topic, we're going to talk about Women's History Month and International Women's Day. I don't know why we only get a day. It's kind of lame, but... Well, we get a um, month for the history, right? We get a month for the history and one day to celebrate right now. So we're going to talk about that and then, of course, our Bites of the Week. So before we jump into topic one, we are brought to you today by Team Snap, which we talked about last week. And Amy actually emailed me over the weekend and was like, what was this super cool app we talked about yeah. where you organize everything? So we already discussed that like we don't have children that participate in youth sports, thankfully. But um, if you do... And many of you do, and it's impossible to organize, you need Team Snap, the world's number one app for keeping the whole season organized. Where's the game? What do I bring? Who needs a ride? I like, like, whose turn is snack? That was the worst part when my kids did play soccer, was like your turn, and you had to bring, like, the clementines and the dry thing, and there's allergies, and it was such a pain. So Team Snap is every coach's and parent's dream. You save hours of time, no more reply-all emails, finally have an easy way to communicate and coordinate. Every game, every player, every message in one app. So it's all in one place. I bet you can even put like your team colors and all that stuff. Get Team Snap, get organized. Try a season absolutely free at teamsnap.com slash parenting. And you don't have to put in your credit card. It's a real trial without one of those weird things where all of a sudden they're charging you and you didn't know it. Hmm. So check out teamsnap.com slash parenting. All right, we're jumping into topic one. Talk about organizing your kid's life <laughs> for better or for worse. Um, we are super excited. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Also a fellow New York City mom, yep. <laughs> which is always exciting, <laughs> yeah. and journalist. Um, so, Nancy, I'm going to kind of jump right in because I think there are probably a lot of listeners who know you. Um, you've written some big cover stories before. I think you've been sort of following, actually, the teen scene for some time. Um, I don't think people know that the, you wrote the article that the Bling Ring is based on. Yeah. Um, so you've been pretty well versed on all of teenage life and kind of coinciding with this idea of popularity and stardom and that those kind of aspects. And this has really come to a head with social media and the way kids are now. Everyone can be a celebrity. Everyone can get likes. Everyone can follow one another, which has completely changed what it is to be a teenager and somehow fallen more on girls yeah. than boys. It has. It's a new kind of childhood, um, if we can call it childhood. I mean, one of the lines I heard over and over from different teachers and school administrators across the country in the last two and a half years was childhood is gone. It's a devastating thing to think of. But, um, you know, when you have this level of sexualization or sometimes called hypersexualization of children and 
and girls through a culture, just, you know, a wash in pornography and a porn aesthetic, um, I think that we have a real challenge to maintaining any kind of innocence for for kids. And this was a, a really dark revelation to me in listening to so many girls across the country uh, talk about social media use in the last couple of years. You know, I think one of the things that's so interesting about your book is how many places you went to. And they were really different. And you would think that there would be different experiences. and diff- But this pers- pervasiveness of wanting likes, of feeling like you have to document everything. I know we were talking before we started about this the new definition of having a boyfriend, that it's really just about posting everything together and sharing together. You might not even talk to each other that much, but you're continually sort of, it's about your social status together. Yeah. Um, it's changing the way kids experience intimacy, the way that they think about each other as um, boys and girls, as men and women, the way they're viewing their bodies, the way that they're viewing their very selves. I mean, it's not just the sexualization that I think is an issue for a lot of girls. It's the constant pressure to self-promote, present a certain image, a flawless, quote-unquote, perfect, hot image to uh, be part of this ongoing conversation, which may or may not be about anything, you know, relatively important, but it's just like this tether, this constant tether, and there is so, there is so much pressure on girls to be validated through a new, the new popularity contest that is social media. And that's one of the things that struck me in reading, in reading through your book is that, you know, today, likes equal popularity. Likes exactly. equal confidence. And, you know, way back when, for for girls, you know, trying to grow and understand who they are, it was about being popular always, you know, wanting to be a cheerleader or hang out with the cool kids or, you know, go out with a cute boy. But there were different ways of trying to find out and see where you fit in. And now it feels like it's almost with that digital tether, an immediate... I'm not popular. I'm not liked because this Instagram photo did not get enough likes. I'm taking it down or I'm going to do something more outrageous to get more likes. And it feels like it kind of um, provokes girls to do things that they may not ordinarily have done. And even if it even if they are a girl who has some, you know, uh, sense of self and strength of of, you know, self-esteem to not, you know, really want to get involved in that. It does affect them to post a picture of, say, themselves at their soccer match or, you know, doing something that's important to them. And, you know, you get they tell this is what they tell me. You get five likes. But then you see girls post pictures of themselves in a bikini or with their cleavage or, you know, doing something sexually provocative. And they get 150 likes, 200 likes. And they see that difference. And even if you're a girl who doesn't buy into that, you see that the culture does. And that affects you as a girl. And your your sense of what is esteemed and valued for girls and women. That's cr- you know I remember talking to a teenager told me if they don't get a hundred likes within ten minutes they delete the picture because they don't even want to have pictures up that don't have enough likes that they look like they have a great Instagram account. This whole idea of and then forget about like filtering and all that stuff that everyone knows how to do instantly. But one of the things I thought was interesting in your book was how how much the kids kind of didn't want to be a part of it and didn't know how not to be. Can you talk a little bit about that, about the girls you spoke to and sort of this this conundrum they find themselves well, in? Well, there's this idea that girls love social media. I found that a lot of them hate it. 
they feel a lot of pressure from it, anxiety, depression from the not getting likes or, you know, uh, cyberbullying, whether it's an extreme, you know, I talked to girls in the book who sadly tried to kill themselves from, you know, the kind of extreme cyberbullying we read about in the news. But there's also that sort of like day-to-day, these slights and little strange ways that friendships play out in, in, in ways that are kind of passive-aggressive, the way people will be from behind a screen you know, not liking something, unfriending you, unliking your picture, all this kind of stuff that goes on. But I think this is all, you know, really affecting their sense of how we make friendships, how we communicate, how we have relationships. And it causes a tremendous amount of stress and anxiety. There's there's studies, you know, establishing this already that social media has been linked to anxiety and depression, not only in, in girls, but in adults. Well, in the book, you talk about Bethany Moda, about how, you know, if, if you don't know, she's this insanely popular YouTuber who has, um, I think, something like a billion lifetime views of her videos. And I've always kind of thought of her as a perfect example of a good YouTuber for girls to look up to. But then you point out that she started out getting over cyberbullying and that the the views that she got and the likes that she got on her video made her feel good and when i look at it that way it's not so great you know what i mean like she started it it turned out to be successful but she turned to youtube for you know to, to to get over things and what if she hadn't become so popular where would she be you know pressure to be beautiful pressure from the beauty industry and the fashion industry is nothing new but I think that this pressure has been amplified and accelerated by social media because there's this constant need to present yourself in a picture I mean I think back to being 12 13 years old (laughs) and what if I had had to present a picture of myself you know on a regular basis for others to like and validate and comment on it it just would have been you know at that point in my life I was you know a mess so (laughs) I mean looks wise but I didn't really know it you know I kind of was just a happy kid who went about my life and I had nice parents and went to school and I don't we we took a school picture once a year yeah you know I didn't worry about your yearbook photo I didn't really (laughs) think about it and there are girls in the book actually but now there's just this focus 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 on appearance and so and there are girls in the book who actually talk about 16 year olds who talk about like I can't believe what the 13 year olds are doing that's how fast it's going they say (laughs) when I was 13 they're talking just like I'm talking right now they say I just would like put my hair in a ponytail and go to school but now the 13 year olds are wearing makeup and they're watching beauty gurus and learning how to do a smoky eye and perfect eyeliner and they're so you know the thing about beauty gurus is I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you know looking nice or focusing on your appearance to a certain extent we want people to be presentable we want girls to have a presentable appearance but this is I mean come on this is like hundreds of thousands of beauty gurus and if you look at who are the most popular and most famous youtubers it's not girls talking about uh you know world events or feminism or math or science or sports or whatever it is that girls are interested in they're talking about beauty and they're talking about makeup products and they're selling makeup products that's Mm -hmm. another thing we have to understand is these beauty gurus are spokespeople Sometimes at a very young age, a girl in my book that I interview, Amanda Steele, started at 10 years old. Hmm. And she's, uh, you know, now very famous on social media for being a beauty guru. And that means, what what does that mean in the life of a girl? That means your daughter sitting at, you know, her desk, her table, watching girls talk about how to be better looking. And I really wonder if this is the best way for them to spend their time. 
because it seems to add to this pressure. Mm-hmm. I think that's the bottom line is that they can't even turn it off, that it's because it's on their phones. That's what's made it harder. Because when we were growing up, I mean, like, I mean, I remember people had this conversation when I was growing up in the 80s about Madonna and the hypersexualization and, you know, that stuff. But you turned it off. Like, you went to school. Maybe you saw her on MTV later. <laughs> it just was such a different Now it's on space. your in your hand but all the time. All the time. And you're not only seeing images and often very sexualized images. You know, we see Kim Kardashian yesterday posted a nude video, a nude picture, sorry, on Instagram. It's not only... On it, it's not only on you know it's on Instagram it's on Twitter it's on every platform you can imagine it's not it's their friends it's their peers it's everyone is trying to present this hot image. I think that's the difference because you know we had I mean we had Cosmo and Seventeen and you know there were all the magazines that we used to read to try to see what fashion was and how to do makeup and they were selling products they had ads but it because, wasn't yeah you know and and I think that that every thirteen year old girl is going to aspire to look and see oh I want to look like that fashion model but I think in a way you're right they're tethered to it now and it's everywhere but. Also, there's. I love that people are starting to call out photoshopped images, starting to call out, you know, even models and actresses saying, you know, that's not me. That's not how I looked. I did not want them to photoshop that. And maybe starting to give girls a sense of this isn't all what reality is. Yes, that is good. I think that another real big problem about social media is the way that it challenges authenticity authenticity of experience authenticity of appearance you know girl one of the uh, quoted lines in the book people seem to you know pick up on is I call the Instagram shot girls tell me that you know when you're going to a place and you're going to have an experience together someone says I call the Instagram shot I get to be the one to post this because you can't all post you can't all post it because that looks silly because you all have a lot of the same followers and you you're all like wind up being in the same picture so that <laughs> looks silly you know but but the point is you have to post, somebody's got to post it because we can't have an experience without it being documented and viewed by everyone so that everyone knows what we're doing. So, I mean, it's this whole problem of authenticity uh, in a self, in an experience, in a relationship. You know, this goes back to what you were saying about the new kind of boyfriend and girlfriend where girls told me, um, some 13-year-old girls in Florida told me, oh, you know, people just date now to post selfies together. (laughs) That's probably an exaggeration, but I think there's some truth in it. And that's like really, we have to ask ourselves, like, what kind of relationship is that? Right. Because it's all about also like the what your bio is on Instagram and how the friends you're tagging because that's your squad and then who you're leaving out of that. It just becomes this updating thing. I think so. One of the other things I really was fascinated about in your book and was so glad you tackled was porn. And the way that porn culture, so this isn't just hypersexualization. This is porn. This is, now obviously it's access, which has changed everything. Access online, this sort of normalization of porn culture. But you had some stuff in, I mean, I was just thinking back to when I was in high school and went to parties. And obviously in parties, people were making out and doing whatever at parties from, you know, the beginning of time. But that whole idea that girls are kind of, in performance for boys at these parties and you had two girls who just hugged each other two friends who like whatever they're doing and all the boys start yelling make out make out like this whole idea that there is a porn expectation and how damaging that is and this is something nobody talks about i think porn is the it's 
something we need to talk about. We need to have a national discussion about porn. Parents need to really wake up to porn. I did in doing this. And I was led to it really through the interviews with girls and what girls told me. You know, um, you know, one could argue even these sexualized photos that we're talking about are a kind of porn, a kind of self-generated porn. There's an awful lot of self-generated porn from children and, and teenagers underage on the Internet and on social media. It's pornography. I mean, what you know, if you look up in the dictionary what pornography is, that is what it is. And I didn't come to this reporting as somebody with an agenda about porn. I didn't really know anything about it. I had no, I, you know, I, you know, if you had asked me before I did all this, what do you think about porn? I would have said, oh, you know, live and let live. If you're into that, go for it, you know. But now I have a very different perspective seeing what it's doing to kids and how it's informing their coming of age and their views about sexuality, about men and women, about how they view their bodies. And, you know, they're watching it. They're kids. They're going to watch it. They're curious. It's available, even though we've decided as a society that it's illegal for kids under 18 to have porn in their lives. They can access it with the click of a button. You know, there's no blocks and filters on it in this country, as there are in other countries. And so they're watching it. We know they are. There's many studies that say they are, and just anecdotally, they are. So what does that do? Well, if you think that porn today is the 1960s playboys you found under your dad's bed, you got to catch up because porn today is very different. It's uh, a lot of it is violent, degrading to women. There's a, a lot of uh, it's become very extreme. There's a lot of rape, gang rape, and uh, you know, uh, insulting images of you know m- men and women together. And sometimes these women are teenagers or they're styled to look like teenagers. Pornhub, which is one of the biggest porn sites, I think it's the biggest porn site in the world in terms of traffic, their number one search is for teen. And that really uh, troubled me when I heard that because, you know, you, you think about what that means uh, in the life of perhaps a teenage boy who is watching that, watching uh, a woman or, or styled to look young or actually a teenager being subjected to this sort of thing in a, in a sexualized video, I mean, it's going to affect, and we know from studies that it does affect his view of sexuality, of how women should be treated. His Girls and boys have a higher tolerance for sexual violence when they watch porn. I mean, you know. Do you think that that's led to um, in the increased... Um, incidences, incidents, I'm trying to think of the word, incidents of uh, campus you know, sexual violence against women and gang rape, or even in the high schools, you know, where you hear about the the freshman guys, you know, having a party? That's a good question. And I asked the same question in my book. And I think it's very reasonable to ask it. I mean, look, we're having to teach young men now about what consent means. And young women, too. Like that we're even having to have this conversation, like what is consent? I think it's it's reasonable to draw a question or draw a connection or at least ask the question about whether this is influenced by porn and the porn aesthetic that so engulfs the internet and social media. And the reason why this is related to social media, look, porn has been available online for decades now, but it's only in the last few years that it's been on smartphones. And I talked to girls all over the country who said that boys, not always boys, but almost always boys, are watching porn in school. There's been news reports of them watching it in school. Sure. Yes, they have it on their phone. They have it on their phone. They're watching it in school. Sometimes as a joke, sometimes as a you know a kind of a provocative thing to do, a kind of thing of bravado to do. Hey, look at this! 
Um, but one of the most troubling stories that I heard, as you'll read in the book, is 16-year-old girls in Florida, very good school, highly academic girls, uh, in a class, a girl was giving a presentation, and there were boys flashing pornography on their phones at her while she was giving the presentation as a way to distract her and kind of tease her. The teacher was at the back of the class and didn't see this Jeez. happening. None of the girls told on, on them. Because um, then you're not cool. Because then you don't have no chill, right. and what are you, a feminist, and this kind of thing. And it so troubled me that these highly empowered girls in every other aspect of their life could not speak out against what's, you know, like by Title IX, sexual harassment. Well, you know, just <laughs> there is good porn out there. I've looked. I found it. Um, <laughs> that doesn't subjugate women. That doesn't. Ki- that is, but not. But kids no, 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 should be no, watching. No, no, no. But just like there are parents who will tell their kids, "Look, you're not supposed to drink, but if you're going to drink, here's how you do it, or you can do it at my house." Or the parents who tell their kids, "I don't want you out having sex, but you're going to, so do it here." I almost wonder if you should tell kids. I know you're going to watch porn. Here's the good porn. I'm Here's the porn what, that isn't going to mess you up. I'm wondering what exactly you mean by good porn for children. Porn that, porn that well, there's no good porn for children. But if they're going to watch it, the stuff that doesn't I mean, have violence towards women. you catch your 15-year-old son watching porn, and you have this conversation with him instead that says, what you are watching bears no resemblance yeah. to reality. This is not. Right. This is the conversation this we need to have. To now women. I know you're curious, so like... So, Here's porn. If you're gonna watch this, here's the porn the mom watches. (laughs) Right. Here's the other conversation no one wants. I don't know because other because otherwise they're watching this stuff that's just going to warp them for any future healthy sexual relationship. But is that kid also going to go back to his friends and go? So that's not real porn. What we're watching. What my mom told me. My mom said. You know, and then you get into a whole other discussion. I think it's for every parent to determine whether or not they think porn is an okay thing for their kids to watch but I think definitely it's something that they need to start having a conversation about. I I have a friend who's um, uh, about my age I'm in my 50s and he had a 17 year old son at the time, this was a few years ago and I said gee I, I had no idea kids were watching so much porn, it's like really high numbers here and he said oh you know I don't think my son's watching porn. Everyone says that and so <laughs> every mother so of a teenage son I said I okay well maybe he's not but then he's one of the few teenage boys in America who's, who's not you know according to a lot of studies and so um, he came back to me some weeks later we talked again he said you know I had to check I was, I was worried you know and he looked at the history on the computer, and he found out that his son was not only watching porn, he was watching it at 6 o'clock in the morning when he opened his eyes. Ugh. And he was watching it in it's the addictive. afternoon when he came home, mm-hmm. and he was watching it at night before he went to bed. That's a lot of porn. And um, so it's not, I mean, good porn, bad porn, I don't really know how you evaluate that, but it's just a question of whether or not they are watching it and whether or not as a parent you feel like you need to have a conversation about all of this with them all right on that note (laughs) we're gonna wrap up because i think yes i'm going to say yes have a conversation it's probably way more uncomfortable than you like the sex conversation you thought you were gonna have Mm -hmm. but i I mean we talked about this before i think it should be part of sex education at this point in schools well unfortunately it doesn't exist i mean unfortunately right now a lot of kids for a lot of kids porn is sex right you know and and girls have told me i mean this is the other thing you need to know about porn that you'll read about in the book the old in the older chapters with older girls they tell me that you know a lot of these like classic moves of extreme porn are expected of them by boys when they have sex you know the ones who are sexually active moves that you know I don't think that most women find enjoyable like a certain kind of thing happening 
yeah. to your face, you know, and none other, <laughs> no other part of your body is involved. Sorry to, for the TMI, right. but that's the kind of thing like a 17-year-old girl is, is telling me in this book is, is happening on a regular basis mm-hmm. because boys are getting their sex ed from porn. Right, and they have no idea, and the women in the videos enjoy it. So they have no idea. They think that's going to be like right. a thrilling, but fabulous that's thing. pleasurable to somebody. Yeah. Which is also part of whatever. Sorry for the TMI. No, that it's was gross. important. But I think it's. Um, <laughs> but that's what the book is about. Like the book is very frank. Yeah, it's very eye opening. Very blunt. Right, and it's a. I think a must read because I think people feel a little um, dulled by a lot of mm-hmm. these conversations because all they hear about is cyberbullying or all they hear about is they they've almost been like beaten down by these ideas and there's so much more going on and it's so much deeper and people are also becoming desensitized to it and yeah. i mean do we want children to be desensitized to violent porn i mean no. that's really or anything or any of this or, or any of this part of the social or media anything. all of it yeah you don't want them to take any you don't want them to think any of this is normal it might be their new normal but we have to figure out how to make that a better it's Please. being normalized, yes, and that's I think a problem. It's being normalized without a discussion and without being, parents being involved in the discussion. Yeah. All right, parents, step it up. We will be right back. We're going to talk about something way more positive for girls: <laughs> International Women's Day and Women's History Month. And um, I don't know, maybe what it means to have a woman running for president right now in the midst of all of this. She's going to be. She's going to have her own social media problems, <laughs> probably along these lines. But we'll talk about that right when we come back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Today, we are also brought to you by Fabletics. So mm. <laughs> when, when you now want to feel empowered. <laughs> I got mine. I got you mine. You did? Yeah, I did. Rebecca and I both spent our own money on, on Fabletics. On Fabletics. <laughs> on buying top quality stylish activewear for every woman. Uh, co-founded, designed, and inspired by Kate Hudson, actress, athlete, mother. She puts very Instagrammy pictures up, I will say, with her unbelievable post baby baby's body Body. she's selling Mm -hmm. something she's selling it man um and she's right because if you can look like her go for it same quality as your favorite luxury brands half the price workout wear for the woman on the go so they are really cool looking right what'd you get amy i got this really cool i don't like tight tops like it has to it has to be loose but then i like the pants to be tighter with with a nice big shirt to go over it (laughs) and um and a and i got a three-piece one i actually didn't use our we had the $25 deal. I paid a little more to get a three-piece thing so that I could get the bra also. It's all very comfy. Bra's sort of oh. pivotal. Yeah. That's like the most important part of your workout is your bra. Yes. Yes, it, it is. is. They have a lot of good bras. All right. So we're going to talk about it. Take an easy, quick and easy fit quiz to allow Fabletics to get to know you and your activewear preferences. They then recommend complete outfits for your mm-hmm. lifestyle. But you can also mix and match. Oh, I did. I, no, I was like, so easy to just I know. pick an outfit. I ended up doing that. And for like men, um, they have this male site, FL2. The whole outfit is the way to go because I, I can't even tell you what happens when my husband mixes and matches. I told you, <laughs> he was working on his bathing suit. It wasn't a Speedo, but it was a bathing suit, and it's just horrifying. So <laughs> <laughs> check out fabletics.com slash Rebecca. They somehow picked my name instead of parenting, but it's so it's Rebecca. Don't do parenting. The new VIP member exclusive on both Fabletics and FL2, that's the male one, you get a complete outfit for just 25 bucks with free shipping and exchanges. Fabletics.com slash Rebecca. And then take a picture and show us on Instagram. We'll <laughs> like it for you. <laughs> we love your outfit. Um, I still said I would do that, right? I told you I'd send you it. Now you, you have still to do, do it, do it. Amy. All right, Uh-oh. I'll do it. I'll do All it. Right. See, I hate posting pictures on Instagram of myself. I like posting, like, food. Especially <laughs> workout wear. Yeah, I post a lot really. of food. 
Which is probably why I don't want to post the body pictures. <laughs> Before and after. My meal, myself, and my workout wear. <laughs> All right, so we're going to jump into topic two, which I was inspired to do this week because I got um, an email from Microsoft about their campaign for International Women's Day, which was awesome. So they had awesome, cool. and the same thing. I got it and went, "Ooh, we should talk about that." Yeah. So it's yeah. um, what's the hashtag? Yeah, the hashtag is make what's next. Make what's next. So they want young girls. So only it was a horrifying statistic, right? Three percent of girls they, are inventors. They did this whole well. Also, they did a, a great video asking girls to name a female inventor, and nobody could. Nobody could. Nobody. And then they said only wait three, or can I. Inve- scientists, yes, but inventor. Well. I don't know. So only, what is it, 3% of U.S. patents are held by women. That's a terrifying, that's so, that's all of human, his, all of American yeah. wow. history in the patent One office. of the girls actually said, in school, it was always a male inventor, we learned. Yeah. yeah. Right, you get Thomas Edison and Alexander Graham If I could jump in, this is also yes. true of Silicon Valley, yeah. which yes. is, yeah. a, you know, ties back into the last conversation we were having. I mean, Silicon Valley is uh, predominantly male, mm-hmm. dom- it's male-dominated It speaks to culture. the whole problem. Yeah, I mean, they have a, they have a white male industry there. This is documented. And um, women are not afforded the same opportunities. Women have not been given the opportunity to reap the enormous profits that have been created mm-hmm. in this new tech industry. Well, and I think you see in your book that, that half of the women who go into the tech field leave because they realize they can't have the career that they want. Exactly. And I've really, I really wonder, and I question in the book, whether the whole culture of, silic- of social media would be different if there were more women in, in positions of power in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Well, um, but what's so interesting is, I mean, Microsoft, and, and I'm sure you went to the website too, it's you know, and Microsoft is in Silicon Valley, but it's a big tech company, and they really do so much to promote women, have women in these positions. Um, last week, I spoke to, I've talked to a bunch of them. Um, last week, I spoke to someone at Samsung who's involved in the um, corporate citizenship, or oh, director of corporate citizenship, and they're doing a whole program as well on, um, you know, promoting STEM, bringing STEM classes to schools across the country. That's called... Um, solve for tomorrow but I mean I know the startups That's you're great. talking about the startups no I'm talking that about don't. the whole industry if you look at statistics from the labor department Silicon Valley is predominantly white and male across ac- across the industry not just not just in the top positions but even down to the programmers and you know what speaking of studies there was recently a blind study where they had men and women coding and the coding mm-hmm. of the women mm-hmm. was uh, selected as better than the men's in a blind mm-hmm. study. Now, you know, that's one study, but it just goes to show you that it's not necessarily because of, like, some sort of, you know, uh, inherent skill problem. Right. You know. It's like when orchestras yeah. started holding auditions behind a screen, mm-hmm. and more go. and more women got hired, which was so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if Silicon Valley, that's how they should change, you know, Google, Microsoft, that when they're hiring engineers, maybe that's what they should do. Mm-hmm. It should just be a blind coding test, yeah. and they don't know the person's name. They don't know anything else. They just know education and, you know, relevant experience. But nothing else would be, it would be interesting to see how many more women, since it was Ada Lovelace, who is the That was the one founder. we knew. <laughs> that was the who one. Was the Hollywood, Hollywood's, got to, Hollywood's got to step up, too. I mean, lately we've been hearing a lot from women in Hollywood about the gender inequality in Hollywood. I mean, the statistics are abysmal about yeah. what goes on behind the camera. I mean, there's just, I don't have them in front of me, but the number of women who are in positions to be directors, producers, c- camera women, it's just, it, screenwriters, it's just like abysmally low. 
Yeah, but I said one of those articles, in the, the article in the New York Times talked about the baseball hat syndrome, that everybody just wants the next 25-year-old in the baseball hat because mm-hmm. it reminds them of when they were 25-year-old in the baseball mm-hmm. hat. And, like, women aren't walking around with the baseball hat right. and the hoodie right? and looking like that. And I think that's why when you look at things like this International Women's Day or Women's History Month, you know, sometimes it becomes a little like, really? We get this day? We're all sudden. But at least it sort of coalesces all of these companies and forces in a conversation to be had. I think there's a... Um, a parody petition for parody is that what's going on right now or something like that they made it like P and P there's no more equality now it's parody um, because I guess you know equal became taboo we weren't supposed to say equal because somehow that meant Why? that meant we, we didn't have any differences and right. it's oh, like okay. the equivalent of being colorblind comes out of the corner <laughs> what yeah well whatever you want to call it I think it's pretty clear that you know we can say we have a problem with gender inequality gender parity in this country yes. and all kinds of industries across the board media Silicon Valley tech industry uh, Wall Street we have we have a problem mm-hmm. And it's something that we have got to address for not only for ourselves, but for our daughters. You know, we want them to grow up to have opportunities equal to that of their their peers. It's interesting because my daughters are moving into high school. You know, you have a high school daughter, you have a high school son, and your son's grown. As they've gotten older, they have all of a sudden had more um, gender split in their teachers where they have more male math and science teachers and Mm -hmm. more women humanities. And it's been so weird to see that, that's so subtle, um, this idea that, and even just looking at high schools, because we just went through the whole admissions process, how many of the specialized high schools, which are more science-focused, are so heavily male, and the humanities-focused ones are so hugely girl-weighted. I mean, like 60-40, 70-30, the huge differences. And... You, you just can't believe it. Like, there it is. There it is in your high school admission stats. And so when you look at this International Women's Day, and I was looking at, like, what Microsoft is doing, because part of it is a blatant uh, just need for these companies to realize they don't have enough programmers. They don't have enough people to fill these mm-hmm. jobs. Someone was telling me the Department of Homeland Security, we're going to have a major problem in this country because you need a certain level of security clearance. You have to be a native-born American citizen to get it. There aren't enough native-born American citizens who can do those coding engineering jobs to be hired by the FBI, by the NSA. And so yep. if and you don't get women really and minorities, women you're screwed. It. It's <laughs> funny. You mentioned that the stats, the Commerce Department. So I was looking around trying to find some resources and things that people are doing to celebrate women this month. And the Commerce Department Secretary, Penny Pritzker, which I did not know that was her name, Oh, yeah. Penny Pritzker. I th- of the Pritzkers. <laughs> no, really, of the um, Chicago they made Pritzkers. A, they made a great <laughs> site, you know, and they, they say, encourage the women in your life to learn STEM skills and how to code. Reach out to the HR department of your technology companies and encourage them to more actively recruit and promote female professionals. Right. And I think that that speaks volumes, not just for the federal government, the tech companies, the entertainment companies, but everywhere saying girls need to be taught that. But then you have step two is, okay, you know, girls may know how to code, but then what? How do you get them to want to pursue a career in this? And I think a lot of that is changing the culture right now with what's going on in Silicon Valley. It's not really easy to be a female engineer in Silicon Valley. If you Google Silicon Valley and sexism or Silicon Mm -hmm. Valley and misogyny, as I talk about in my book, you'll see there are just you know, 
endless sort of uh, articles. There's there's also been a lot of uh, lawsuits about sexual mm-hmm. harassment. So, you know, with the tech industry having such an enormous effect over our lives, I think it's really important to have this, for them to take more responsibility for the, not only the gender inequality, gender lack of parity, whatever you want to call it in their own industry, but how their culture, which some call a bro culture, is uh, affecting the culture of social media. Because I started to ask the question, why is it that all of these apps sort of promote sexualization of girls in some way? Why is it that girls find themselves so vulnerable on these apps to things like cyberbullying and forwarding of nudes and all this kind of stuff? And, I, you know, I started to look at, well, who makes these apps? It's not like they grow out of the ground like, in, like a bush. You know, it's not, they're not natural, organic, organically mm-hmm. occurring things. They're made by somebody. And... You know, a lot of these apps are made by young men who were actually frat boys. Snapchat was made by frat boys. Um, Mark Zuckerberg was not a frat boy, but he was a, a young man uh, in at Harvard who started a, a site that was basically hot or not. Yep. The, you know, it's face mash where uh, you decide whether or not somebody's hot or not. You know, and these this is something that obviously is going to objectify girls and women. This is the site that became Facebook. Well, what's interesting is, you know, back in the first segment when you talked about the girls who had the boys were showing porn to while they're trying to do this thing, those girls now go into the workplace, right? And it's the same pressure of you're not chill. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a woman who takes offense at that, if you're, you're all of a sudden you're uptight, you're a prude. And, you know, I was joking off, cam- off mic about Hillary Clinton, but you know, it's a lot of the same thing. Like you have, she has to be so much more polished and chill mm-hmm. and be in on the joke and get it and not be too offended. Like other people have to be offended for her, but she can't look like the school marm because then, then, then she looks like a school marm and not cool. And But she also can't be emotional. Right. And she can't lose her, her right. temper. Right. And, exactly. and she better have good hair. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, and how are they going to not le- wear the same outfit twice? Right. And I mean, if I may do a mashup of two books by my publisher, Kanaf, <laughs> how are they going to lean in right. when they have to be chill? You yeah. know, it's you, sort of a. Yeah. yeah. If you're the girl who also has to go to the strip club, because that's what everyone thinks is fun. And like now it's so like meta that you as a girl are at the strip club and think it's awesome. And somehow the strippers are empowered. Like that whole culture of what girls have to be chill about um, is crazy and you know what they're not chill they're they're, they're not. even if they might have to appear so in order to navigate through all of this that's going on in their school or or their college or whatever it's it bothers them right. you know and it creates a lot of conflicts within them you know there there's a there's a lot of there's this idea that like when I was doing the book, uh, you know, there's this stereotype. People would ask me, like, why Why do they want to just, like, be all provocative all the time? Why are they wear- dressing that way? And why are they posting these pictures? And why are they doing this? Well, I think we should think, I, I mean, I'm hoping through the book you, like, hear the voices of girls and hear how much it really does bother a lot of them, that this is the culture they're they're coming up in. And, and hear that they have an analysis, too, of why this is happening. Yep. You know. All right, so I would say in honor of International Women's Day and uh, Women's History Month, take this month to talk to your girls, but take this month to find cool resources. So whether it's the Microsoft, um, which your girls can do, which, right, they can mm-hmm. they can use the hashtag positively um, and talk about what they would invent, mm-hmm. which is really cool, get them thinking in that way. 
Google, <laughs> they're all tech companies, but Google, ironically enough, um, had an amazing Google Doodle today, but I think all month is doing famous women in history, and they pick some really yeah. esoteric, like, people, you're just like, what? Because they were able to Google them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Google them all. Google all those women. And one of my favorite There's sites, commonsensemedia.org, they've got a great list, 100 plus Go Girl picks for Women's History Month, which breaks it down awesome. into like empowering movie characters mm-hmm. and female heroines in books. Really great list. Right, I always recommend Buffy. I'm a huge Buffy. <laughs> There's <laughs> also see, all, um, this, all these girl. The girl power was the early '90s, yeah. right? Girl, you'll if you read my book, Girl Power was the early '90s. We heard about Girl Power. We went through that, and then what happened? There was this enormous backlash. Right, you got Susan Faludi's backlash. Okay. <laughs> exactly and there was happened. this big backlash. Well, you'll see. Yeah. There's also something I saw. The hashtag is the women are coming. And <laughs> that's, that's terrifying. Awesome. Well, that I know. Like the Walking Dead. <laughs> but I was like, really? But I watched the trailer. It's and it's cool. actually a really cool trailer for an upcoming movie, a campaign to raise awareness for gender equality and women's rights. And I think it's um, Femdi. And we'll, we'll, Amy will post links to all of these resources oh, yeah. right. on our new website. There's, um, and also <laughs> so we'll Amy, have links uh, to the videos. Amy Poehler's Smart Girls is always like a great resource for really cool videos, really mm-hmm. cool powering things I don't think it's my theory is always that girls don't watch any of these things it's always the moms, the moms. who are watching all these things and but being you like know, yeah if girls it, if it prompts then, a conversation and maybe yeah. like show your girl yeah. one video and say let's talk I about just, maybe it'll affect the movie that I suggest we watch this weekend you know or the book right. that I buy for my daughter yes or at least a conversation like you go to a movie and you realize oh there were no women in that right. Like, or we'll go watch Norma Ray. right like have <laughs> that conversation with your girls too when you leave a movie theater exactly. like wow that was weird even all the extras were men because you find that too Right, like even when you go, to, they have those stats from Hollywood that are yeah. frightening. The Bechtel yeah. test, yeah. But even like but even today, people like I saw people posting today about you know Star Wars. You know that they still can't <sighs> find. But they didn't make those strong to- female. Toys. Yeah, like on the Cheerios box even. And I was trying to understand but the, fact the that reasoning. They left out the lead yeah, female character the lead female as character. the toy in yeah. every Star Wars product. Is and yeah. it was a completely. BS reason right. that they didn't want to give away what happens to her Well, we were, told, we were so told that by someone yeah. from inside the toy but industry, so but that they, they didn't want to give away who, but the, then they who had the, the strong emails. character I was. I think they were from Hasbro. There were emails that actually said, boys won't buy it. Boys Ridiculous. don't want to play like a girl, but girls will play like a boy. That's what they said, totally which unfair. was totally weird. Yeah. I love all the boys who dress up like Elsa from Frozen. Those were <laughs> some of my favorite costumes. Like, there you go. You're totally wrong. And their parents are horrified. All right. Well, we're going to be right back with our Bites of the Week, which will be um, interesting. <laughs> Maybe along <laughs> these lines. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. All right, speaking of your um, appearance, this is such like, we have like this crazy appearance-driven show today. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk about um, slender tone. Nancy's going to look at me like, oh my God, I can't believe you're talking about this, but I totally am. So you'll see. <laughs> um, so we have this sponsor, Slender Tone Connect Abs, which I've been the only one trying, even though I think they were supposed to send you guys one. So I'm, I'm not happy nope. that I'm the only one because I don't get to compare. Well, looking at me, you can tell I have <laughs> not gotten one. <laughs> it's a smart <laughs> fitness device that does a lot more than just track, it actively tones and tightens your abs. And I should go online. I bet there are bazillions of pictures of people posting Instagram photos of them wearing their, like, oh, slender sure. tone. I always say it looks like a WWE, like, championship belt. I should like actually Taz's get... Taz's belt. I'm going to get, like, a medal, a gold thing, a gold star, like Wonder Woman. 
on mine. And put it on it? That's yes, awesome. maybe then I'll take a picture of myself. I'm so not taking a picture of myself. I already told you that. Slender Tone's um, abdominal toning belt is controlled via an app that creates your personal training plan, tracks your workouts, sends you customized tips to keep you motivated. Best part of all, you'll have firmer, more toned abs with results in six weeks. And you really do nothing. I hate to say it, but you really just attach it. It uses EMS technology, sends deep pulses that engage your stomach muscles, causing them to flex and contract just like in regular exercise, giving you a stronger core. Slender Tone's money-back guarantee means you can join 100% of users who reported firmer, more toned abs in just weeks. So go to slendertone.com today, receive 20% off using offer code PARENTING at checkout. Again, use code PARENTING for 20% off today. You can send us pictures of your abs if you want, but they have to be appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> you can hashtag them parenting bites. I don't know what that'll mean, but it really is bizarre. Um, you just put on the belt and it connects with the app and it totally works out your app. I told you I cook while I wear it. Well, which I, I don't Amy know if that defeats the purpose. Get one and try it. I know. Yeah. All right. We'll have to look <laughs> into that. Or you can order one for 20% off. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to jump into our bites of the week. Who wants to go first? I can go first. Mine Ooh, is Amy. actually kind of a, a follow-up to last week's. So um, last week, Andrea, your bite of the week was the Amazon Echo. And you, Rebecca. I bought one. Bought did one. you really? <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> and can we say for okay, you? Might be, you might be <laughs> aggravated now. I told her. Did I tell you? I did tell Actually, I can say how because this will she'll get it before, after I bought it for my mom for her seventieth birthday. Oh, oh, okay. So you didn't <laughs> buy it for yourself because no. your question had been, "Can I use it with my Sonos? Can I play mm-hmm. the music through the right. Sonos?" Right, and, and the now. answer was no. But now they are coming up out with the Amazon Dot, which is much smaller. It looks like maybe the size of a hockey. It's puck. It's like a hockey puck. Yeah, it's like the top two inches of the Echo. Uh, of, yeah, and so it has a, spe- like a, a speaker, but it's a very small speaker just for the voice feedback. So it's not the kind of speaker that you would want to use to play music back. It can connect to other speakers either via Bluetooth or via a, a wire. Um, so you, if you don't want the giant Echo, if you do want it to, to connect to your own speakers that you already have, this is a brilliant um, kind of That's smaller cool. version. I'm now, get that for myself. But here's here's the thing: if you go on their site right now and look at it, because I saw it and I went, I want this right now. There's no button to add it to your cart. And then I finally read through the whole thing. The only way you can order it right now is through voice. You can tell. Well, no, no, no. You, you, you can, according to their site, you have to either ask your Amazon Echo or your Fire TV yeah. to order it for you. But I did a little research, and according to CNET, and I did it, you can go into your Amazon shopping app hit the microphone button ah. and tell the app that you want to order the Echo Dot and put it in your cart. How much is the Echo Dot? I think it was seventy nine. Oh, I totally want the Echo Dot now. Yeah. I, my, it's <laughs> not, I love my Sonos. It's coming out next month. It's, okay. it's for pre-order and my cart my, or my order says I'm not even getting mine till like the middle of May, but it's ordered. Yeah, but it's cool. Yeah. It's because I was going to do that follow-up for this week. Oh, and, No, 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 not at all. I have something else, <laughs> but it's very funny because I went to an eye doctor uh, last week, and you know, people always say, "What do you do?" And I say, "I write about tech." And you know, so of course they, "Oh, what's your favorite thing?" Well, it turns out I was talking to Doctor Geek Extraordinaire, <laughs> who like you know started talking to me about what he makes with Arduino and all of these really cool. He's like, "Well, I have a master's in electrical engineering," and I'm going, "What are you doing with my eyes then?" But <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I told him the Amazon Echo, and that the new ones had just come out and he was like jumping up and down excited because of the one you know the smaller one that you can then connect to your better bluetooth so just to continue that there's also the tap which is Mm -hmm. the amazon echo um 
that's portable, so it has better battery, but it doesn't use voice activation to conjure up Alexa. You actually have to tap it to turn on Alexa, which I think the whole appeal is to be able to talk to it and say, Alexa, you know, play Led Zeppelin. But for people who don't want something in their house listening to them all the time, because a lot of people are paranoid about that. But it only listens when you say Alexa. Right. Yes. But or or you can program if you have more than one if you get like the the echo and the dot you can program it to wake program them to wake up to different things yeah um yeah so great it's solution cool. it's cool that's good. a good bite. I'm glad you got one I was going to tell you how to do yep. it yep all right got it. Andrew. all right mine kind of follows along with what we talked about because as I said last week I did meet with um, Samsung to hear about what they were doing you know we hear about the the Galaxy S7 which is out today I think and the S7 Edge and all their cool gadgets but um, a lot of companies are trying to be better corporate citizens, I guess, or corporate social responsibility. And, you know, I like to give them kudos where where they're doing something really um, useful. We've talked about getting tech to kids in school and getting Wi-Fi and, and connectivity to kids in school. We've talked to about that here. Um, so I did talk to the director of corporate citizenship, and I really like this um, program. It's called Solve for Tomorrow, and they're working with teachers. They're actually training the teachers, I asked, because I know that's one of Rebecca's pet peeves, <laughs> is untrained teachers teaching tech. Um, and it's a really cool program. And the reason I'm bringing it up as my bite of the week is because they've narrowed down something like 400 projects into 10 or 12 or um, 15. And they now have open voting on the national finalists. And so there's a website you can go to to watch some of these videos. I like them because they're kids who are solving real world problems oh. like, um, you know, for snow and ice safety, students developed a solar powered heated sidewalk system. Wow. Or, you know, you, you know, different ways of getting smog, you know, and, and out of the air so that because they're right off a highway so they're trying to solve problems so if you want to go and vote you can go to the website which we will put on our website but it's solved for tomorrow and you can vote on these and they're choosing the finalists i believe march 15th so head on over to uh samsung's solve for tomorrow cool nancy <laughs> well um i've been giving some you know talks uh to parents and and uh about the book American Girls and I think just like you you've told me a lot of your listeners here are so wanting to know what do I do you know parents yeah. know it's, it's like you don't even have to explain to them what the problems are in a way I mean I hope you read the book but you know this there's a lot of information in there that I think is valuable but parents are just so concerned and they want to know what to do and my publisher they want to have suggestions about what to do I have not written a parenting book I've written a a, a a book of reporting about what's going on but my publisher made this wonderful wonderful website called americangirlsbook.com where there's a lot of resources there's discussion guides if you want to know there's discussion guides for girls and parents if you want to know how do I start having this conversation with my kids about porn how do I talk to them about what's going on on Instagram how do I find out what they're doing on social media they won't tell me um, you can go to americangirlsbook.com and find discussion guides, resources. There's also a place where you can share your stories if you're a girl or if you're a parent and you would like to read about what other people are going through and how they're dealing with it. You can go there and share your story and also read the stories of others. That sounds great. Um, so mine is food because it's, it's like always food. It's like food or sunscreen with me. Um, so <laughs> my daughter's got this gift um, from someone in the mail from Sugar Wish. Do you guys know Sugar Wish? Oh, yes. I've sent Sugar Wish. It's 
candy in yeah. the mail and it comes in this beautiful box but you get to pick all the candy you wanted so it's not like one of those big candy baskets it actually comes it looks like a tiffany box like tiffany blue <laughs> and it's little packages of all the candies you chose i'm sure you can do different size boxes mm-hmm. they got four but you can pick all your candy and it comes in this little box and it comes in the mail and i i don't know why it's just candy makes people happy <laughs> it came in the mail i was does. so excited my daughter picked uh, all candy I would not eat, which was so mean. She was like, I know you hate coconut jelly beans. I know you hate it. She was like, she picked everything. My other daughter, on the other hand, I was like, M&M's, German raspberries. So um, it's like my new favorite thank you gift, like hostess gift for So wait, people, explain it. So you send it, you send go to sugarwish.com. And then they get to choose the candy well, they you want choose, or you, you choose for them? You can send them a code for Sugarwish and they could customize their own candy box oh, and get it. Oh, I like that. Or it's like my new favorite hostess gift because I feel like I... I have one of my really good friends lent us her home in the Hamptons this weekend to celebrate my mom's 70th birthday, which was really sweet. And she has this fabulous home. And, like, she had – she's like, go ahead and drink our liquor and wine because all anyone brings is liquor and wine. Like, she had, like, eight <laughs> bottles of scotch and six bottles of – so I'm like, what could she possibly want? And, we, and then I was like, candy. Like, you're never going to buy candy for yourself as an adult, and you're so happy when you get it. So – I totally ate so much of my daughter's candy, too. Not the one who picked the coconut jelly beans. But um, every day she'd come home, she's like, did you eat mine? I'm like, yes. I'm <laughs> not even going to lie. I totally ate it. But I highly recommend Sugar Wish. Like, it's like this beautifully packaged, fun candy. And who doesn't want candy? So as we head into yeah. summer season where you might have friends who are nice enough to invite you out for a weekend at the beach or the mountains, Bring candy. Don't bring another scented candle. Uh, I'm still that. stuck on you saying that who what adult is going to buy candy for herself? I bought four packs of candy this morning at you the did. bodega when I dropped Fiona <laughs> off the bus. <laughs> I never buy candy. I never. Sometimes I look at people eating a candy bar and I go, I can't believe people eat buying oh candy bars. You, she, you have to come to my house. We have an entire drawer of this stuff. I want oh, the guacamole, yeah. though. Ooh. Amy posted an amazing picture of her guacamole. I that I would like. Yeah, that was good. Next but week, would you I bring guac and candy. chips? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Nancy in, in, the, in the studio. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Nancy, thank for you, coming Nancy, on the show Thank you, Nancy, for sharing your so insight. Everyone needs to go buy Nancy Jo Sale's book, American Girls. We're going to link to it from the website um, and from the Facebook mm-hmm. page. And we'll link to all the resources you talked about, too, that the publishers built. Because I think that I think parents are going to... Yep are dying for that yep. information yep. and we'll um, put a lot of the especially when it's all put somewhere yeah we'll put all the women's history stuff we'll put the links to everything oh, we talked too. about on facebook.com slash parenting bites and, and parenting bites.com now yep. thanks to weebly we built our website and um of course on twitter hashtag parenting bites and on itunes you can find parenting bites subscribe rate and review us thank you to everyone who has it was like a big surge in reviews but it helps us get found in the murky iTunes algorithm which no one understands (laughs) and of course play.it where you can find Parenting Bites and all the CBS podcasts until next week thank you so much thank you you. bye